So day, day, last day, last sort of last but one day, day six, we looked at the weather forecast for day seven and it was torrential rain all day. So we decided to go to the bar and drink a bottle of Jägermeister. <laughs> and I've learned over the years that if you ever want blue sky, just drink a bottle of Jägermeister. things I find fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands. Some of them are outgoing and energetic, some of them are a little bit more laid back. So in this podcast, we look to explore all the different characteristics, not only of the brand itself, its roots, its origins, but the people behind the brand. And is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand? Well, good afternoon, good morning, welcome wherever you are, and welcome to this episode of Legends of the Brand. And today we kind of have an unprecedented uh, episode and uh, back by popular demand, uh, part three. Uh, but we're chatting today with Ross Whittle again because, well, we decided actually, didn't we, that there were some cool things which we chatted about that we didn't get the chance to, to share. And there's some other cool stories. So yeah, we thought maybe we should have a part three. And uh, so that's that's today. So. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things which we'll cover off. And uh, so we're kind of putty a bit in your hands, as it were, in mm -hmm. terms of the, of the topics. But um, so what were the things that you kind of wanted to share with us that you that we didn't really chat about last time? Yeah, well, I mean, really, I just wanted to mention a few of the skiers and, and snowboarders that we work with, um, because, you know, as I've sort of said to you before, you know, <laughs> without them, you've just got a landscape picture at best. So, you know, it's definitely a 50-50 um, effort. And actually probably, they'd probably say more like 70-30. Yeah, <laughs> for them doing the work, right? <laughs> From their part, because they're doing most of the hiking. But then again, I got the camera bag. Well, yeah, on, on occasions. Anyway, so yeah, and, and, and I just want, you know, I mean, it's great that before we've mentioned, you know, the, the big guns or whatever in the in the game, but. It, you know, a, a large uh, part of my work is is purely with British British skiers, you know, and and the, with the odd um, honorary Kiwi, etc., thrown in for good measure or Aussie or whatever. But yeah, so um, I mean, I I I, I sort of um, I, I call them the Brit pack, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they sort of t I mean, they I suppose they all turned up the same time I turned up, really, you know, and um and maybe even some of them even before but there's some amazing amazing skiers there you know and um yeah um eric davis actually he he i think it was back in 97 he put me um fairly and squarely in touch with jim adlington of <laughs> jim adlington of plank Plank's fame you know the pottery's finest extreme skier <laughs> and uh, he put me, me and Jim together, and we, he, he's like my 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 brother from another mother, old Jimbo, and and we you know we went off on on this tangent and just shot so many cool things and did so many cool things, you know, and went to you know all over the place and got all these front covers and it was a sort of dream team for a while, if not slightly dysfunctional, That's but yeah, it was yeah, but it was great, and then. Um, yeah, so there's this, uh, there was, um, yeah, Gordy Hughes as well. I mean, Gordy, I mean, he just hangs out in the laundry now, you know, and, and 
and I was working in a hotel with Gordy back in, I think it was 92, you know, and uh, I mean, those days he was, all, he was all curly hair and hellies, you know, and <laughs> whatever, but Gordy just goes, goes huge, absolutely huge, you know, and I worked with Gordy for years and years. And, um, and, and also talking of going huge, actually, is Noddy Gowans, the, the, the Kiwi. I mean, uh, he had wings before Red Bull. I think Noddy, really? you know, and have you, have you, do you know Noddy at all? I, I know of him, I'm sure paths yeah. have crossed, but uh, yeah. Here's another one, you know, I mean, those, the pair of them, I mean, they just, they would just go so huge off these monster cliffs. I'm, I'm curious, you know, yeah. that, curious that when you, you mentioned uh, that, I mean, one of the things we actually haven't really chatted beforehand about at all is, do, have people regrettably come across any injuries, you know, when they've gone off and they've done something wild? I mean, there's the, you know, obviously the professionals, and I imagine they scope out the jumps and everything beforehand. Um, fingers crossed. Um, but you know, does anybody ever get get injured on some of these events? Yeah, and Gordy broke his back actually. Um, but that 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 was it was it, it was ill prepared. Let's put it like that. And I was with actually with Jason Jason Shirt. He's another one of the you know the crew um and we'd gone into les arc and we'd hiked up and uh, um at the top of les arc uh, uh, le grieve and we'd hiked across and we would it was pretty dodgy snow anyway and we were trying to get these shots done at sunset and gordy was he saw we'd seen him and he said oh, i might come up i might not and then he just turned up and and jason had already dropped this little uh well, say little, it's just sort of rock drop. It's probably about 30 or 40 feet. And and, and we had probed it and um, Shorty had done it once and it was fine. And then Gordy just appeared. I'm like, hi, Gordy. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to drop this. And he dropped it, but unfortunately he landed on, on rocks. And um, yeah, and Jim, Jim Adlington was with us as well. And that, you know, that was, that was pretty grim. We, we got him, we got him off the mountain, but it was, you know, last light. We only just, I think Shutty went down and just managed to catch the lifty before he left his hut, and we got him helicoptered off. And then, and then it was a disaster trying to get down, and we sort of got avalanched on the way down. I mean, it was all just a, a disaster from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And then Gordy got, you know, he luckily Gordy was fine, and I think he had a cage put on his spine and fused his vertebrae or something. And then he got he got the all clear about eighteen months later. Um, for, doctors and decided to go out and buy himself a new parapont to celebrate and went for a fly and came in hot and broke his shoulder and a few ribs on on the first landings <laughs> so yeah um but you know adrenaline junkies what can you do wow <laughs> so, and yeah the um, i think you were saying at one point beforehand that um there's a uh, Obviously, there's a, a number of people who you've done a number of photo shoots with, um, and in terms of your your regulars, um, and didn't you say there's uh, one or two people in particular that uh, whenever you try to have a photo shoot, something I won't say something bad happens, but you've never managed to get one going going happen. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> there's only one person, and that's Pat Sharples. <laughs> I mean, every time me and Pat tried to do anything, it was an an unmitigated disaster. I mean, we, we'll, we'll get to that in a little while, but yeah, I mean, me and Pat haven't had much luck. And in fact, I remember, I remember, I, I'm trying to think where that was actually. It could have been Zermatt, it could have been uh, Jean Prix or somewhere. There was, we were doing something with Fourline and Pat 
had done this rail that he was shooting, I think, with um, Mike Weiermauser. And he'd, he'd sorted this rail out and it would taken them hours to sort it all out and everybody was ready to roll. And Pat came on the rail first, first, first go on the rail and his legs went eat both sides of the rail <laughs> and, he, and his olives all of a sudden became pita breads. <laughs> and he was, he was sent off to hospital, you know, with a couple of avocado pears in the end. Um, yeah, so... That, <laughs> I don't think Pat's had much luck with shooting, to be honest. But yeah, but I mean, he's a, he's another one of that that crew. I mean, we did we. I remember we did this four line ski test in two thousand, and this there's just this little pack of skiers that had come through. It was Andy Bennett, Eddie Delwell, Sandy Trust. I'm not sure if Joe Tyler was there or or the Southwell brothers, but there's this there was this little pack of skiers, and they. I mean, Eddie was was sixteen. Yeah. You know, and they'd all come from the dry slopes and they'd all been watching, you know, I suppose Blizzard and Matchstick and TGR and Totally Bored or whatever, you know, and they were just feral. I mean, it was like juggling monkeys trying to keep up with them. And they, wow. and they were jibbing off it all sorts. And yeah, brilliant. Though. Just, you know, a really, really great time. And, and you know, I mean, they're all, most of them are still in the industry, you know, and yeah. And we were better for it, I think, really. Yeah, yeah. And so, some great characters. I mean, I had a chance to, yeah. uh, to spend some time okay. with Eddie as well, which, which was great. And I think if I recall correctly, uh, wasn't uh, there's there's a particular occasion where Glenn Plake recognized Eddie or something like that, where it was, it was kind of like, oh, you're the guy who does this. Usually it's the other way around, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were, they, yeah. They were such a great, great pack, those lot. Yeah. But then on the other, but they were more sort of jibbing, freestyle, <laughs> feral, pipe rats but then you'd got you know james vernon glenn parsons chris chris fletcher jason shirt and J jamie strachan yeah i mean jamie strachan was flying the flag for crazy free ride you know way way back in the sort of you know 96 97 and he used to he used to hang out with us down in wanaka at the hay challenge as well you know and we'll get onto that as well shortly but yeah great you know really great great skiers and yeah and the the, the brass brothers james stentiford you know as snowboarding jenny jane jenny jones andy jones tammy from mint you know all these great 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 um you know sort of athletes skiers snowboarders just yeah and, yeah, and, and many that, of them have gone on to have you know careers yeah you know amazing careers pretty much all of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's fantastic yeah. I mean, Jenny Jones, we did, we did her first photo shoot, I think, with, with Snow and Rock when she was 18. And um, I think it was Cy Brass was hitting this big old kicker in teen and Jenny went up to, to go off it. And she was, you know, she's a tiny little 18-year-old girl. I'm just I'm thinking, oh, gosh, you know, how's this going to work? And then, and then I'm just, and she just completely threw me because she just came off this huge great thing and pulled this massive laid-out back from it. I was wow. so I was so surprised. I didn't. I don't think I pressed the trigger. <laughs> and she's going. Did you get it? And I went. No, I bloody didn't. I go back up and do that again. <laughs> Tell me next wow. time you're going to do something like that. You know. So, wow. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Have you yeah. been enjoying? I mean, obviously seeing some of the stuff. Uh, the Olympics are obviously uh, a hot topic right now. But have you been enjoying yeah, watching yeah. some of the Olympics? And you know, you must be watching that kind of. I've seen people perhaps practicing certain tricks and that sort of thing in, in the world that you've been keeping. 
Well, no, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, I've never sort of really been involved with any racing mm-hmm. um, other than I had a little go in the early 90s on the snowboard. But no, and, you know, it's, it's a sort of bit of an alien world to me, all of that. Um, I mean, I, I, it's amazing. It's amazing. But one, I never really wanted to shoot it because, I mean, you're just shooting the same thing as everybody else. You're in a, you know, you're in there with, with all the other photographers, all pretty much with the same angle, same lenses, same everything. So I never really got into that. Um, but I do, you know, I mean, I'm watching the Winter Olympics. You know, I've been watching it all day today. It's astonishing. And the pipe, I mean, I mean, those just half pipes just a terrifying environment. I mean, you just look at it and just think, holy hell on earth, you know, do those guys do that? But it is, it is brilliant, yeah. But I mean, we were more sort of free ride world tour, you know, or whatever we'd be watching watching that yeah yeah but uh, yeah and then you know the, the other thing as well is yeah, some skiers you can shoot and they just they, I don't know they don't they don't quite work well for the camera but there are certain skiers who just absolutely smash it and in fact the bizarrely enough a few years ago I did a photo shoot with with the uh, PFD in Serre Chevalier and we met up with Mike Trulove I don't know if you if you know Mike Trulove but he's a really great photographer great friend of mine you know derelict barman from the underground bars in days of yore but a really amazing photographer I mean a killer eye killer eye and you know he's me and him have been around the around the world you know doing all these crazy things for years so he decided I'm gonna I'm gonna do some skiing and leave the camera behind he was amazing hmm. because he'd been shooting skiing for so many years. He just knew exactly where to hit and he could see my shop, you know, and just smash yeah. it. But yeah, I mean, Pete Davidson in Val uh, just what an amazing model to work hmm. with. Again, he can see the picture before you can almost. Hmm. That's, uh, that's really cool though. I mean, cause, cause I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, we've all, uh, you know, whether it's been on a holiday or, you know, getting photographs or video when you're skiing and everything like that. So I'm curious to find out what it is that you, you see when you, when you say there's somebody who's a good, you know, a good ski model. And the reason I say that is uh, my, my belief, my perception is that people when they come skiing down and what they do is they, they, they pause in terms of skiing, trying to hold a pose when actually that's just a split second in terms of the yeah. overall thing because you're holding the button down you're taking hundreds of photographs you know it's going whereas they're they're trying to hold the pose all the way Uh, yeah 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 i mean what make what makes a good ski model that you've seen over the years then well i mean really it's it's just yeah it's just it's almost like a classical ski style i mean you've got to watch out for the old double pole planters you know <laughs> and the, Wait a and second! The tongue, now you're talking my territory. I'm a double. Yeah, and, and the and the tongue poker outers, and <laughs> you know, and the look at looking down the lens, you know, even though going in the other direction, sort of thing. But yeah, just that. I mean, yeah, Americans do it really well, though. That just that really classic, fabulous ski style, and just knowing wh- where to hit. I mean, I was saying about Pete Davidson. I mean, I, I, me and Pete had sort of revolved around each other for donkey's years, and never actually worked together, and. Um, it was Al, Al Morgan who got us together with the ski club of Great Britain and we did a shoot and, and, you know, I mean, it was just astonishing. It was just astonishing. He's just so on it. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like Kev Harris for Snow and Rock and Nick Yates. I mean, Nick Yates, he hasn't, I haven't worked with him for a while, but he's another one. And just, I mean, those guys just on it, mm. you know, and they're just super, you, you just really, you can't really go too far wrong when you're shooting. Um, so, those guys. Yeah. so they're they're the 70 to make the landscape look really good and make the photographs uh make make it awesome yeah yeah and and ben benson as well i mean ben's ben's an anomaly because he's an ex uh aerial aerialist you know with a british team or whatever and if you just want to backflip i mean he he can and he can backflip while he's making the tea <laughs> you know it's like breathing to him <laughs> so yeah so i just really wanted to you know just mention a few of those guys because you know that although they don't they don't race or whatever you know they're out there and they have been out there for donkey's years just charging flying the flag i mean there was that when we, we we've done you know quite a few trips we've been up you know sweden up in alaska and canada and all this and we, we've had we've been really fortunate over the years and you know we've had trips where it's involved buying heli time and whatever and i've got this sort of golden rule where when we go heli skiing i normally sort of say look can we have the oldest guide you've got <laughs> because the fact that they've got old yeah <laughs> they know what they're doing what's and, that saying when pilots are old pilots and bold pilots you know old bold pilots so it's just like you have old ski guides <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, I remember we went we went heli skiing out the back of uh, Pemberton, and we had this really old cruiser called Herb, and he was brilliant. He was from, he was Swiss, you know, and it, it happens a few. We happened a few times, and like the guides will look at you and go, "Aye, aye, we've got a pack of British skiers here. This is not going to go well," you know. <laughs> and then after the first run, and you know, we've shot a load of stuff. They just relax and they're like, "Yeah." you boys know what you're up to right let's go but yeah it's quite funny to see that sort of where they just they're not quite sure about you <laughs> yeah oh that's brilliant that's brilliant I mean, yeah yeah, I, yeah i love some of those and so in terms of some of your um uh mishaps I mean, we've mentioned a few of them beforehand in the oh, other yeah. podcast as well i mean um you've obviously had a few adventures and a few stories as well but are there any particular mishaps that kind of I guess I say stand out. I mean, I imagine most most of them stand out, but uh, anything in particular? Because I know you have one about Alaska in a bit, but what was what was the one before that? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, really, the the rule of thumb is the minute you put your foot over the threshold of the front door and go anywhere, anything can happen. <laughs> and in my case, it usually does. Yeah. No, I mean that's not fair. I mean, I have had some amazing luck over the years, but yeah, I mean. I have had some hideousness as well, but um, I mean, the, the heli challenge that um, Tony Harrington and Kath Brown used to put on down in Wanaka, I mean, that was two weeks of just carnage, basically all the best of everybody in the world used to come down. And it was, you know, the, there was the freestyle day on the mountain, all, all off piste. There was the de- the extreme day, which was just bonkers, people roping into lines and all sorts. And then the Chinese downhill, which was, you know, 30 of the best in the world, somebody pulls the trigger and they're all at the top of the mountain and it's the first one to the bottom by any means possible, you know. And But that's three days out of two weeks. So you've got all these loons in one town for two weeks and you've got to entertain them. So um, 
Yeah, so when it first started, it was called, I think it was called the Wanaka International Ski and Snowboard Festival. And Harrow <laughs> turned around, I think for me and Kath said, you pair are going in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, everything was good other than the freestyle stuff because it wasn't really my gig. But anyway, Harrow had built this enormous ski jump in Wanaka town in Barrow's Tavern Car Park. <laughs> and and it was right in the early days. I mean, by the end of it, it was huge. I mean, you're talking, you know, an almost Glastonbury-style stage and, wow. you know, rock bands, like a quarter pipe onto the stage. It was mental. But in the very first one, it was scaffold, wobbly scaffold towers, hay bales, and you had to jump... <laughs> You had to jump over a 1971 turd brown um, escort van, Arrow's van, a Westie wagon, and you had to jump over the van. Anyway, I, I did a couple of test jumps and none of it went well. And um, so I'd got a bottle of bourbon and a bottle of Coke in the back of the van. So every time I walked back up, I'd just go and have a, you know, a quick gulp of courage and have another go. Anyway. After a couple, I thought, I can't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot some pictures. I've had enough of this nonsense. So it all kicked off. And I, I'd only been shooting a couple of years at this point, And I'd been trying to get my camera gear together, slowly get better and better stuff. And I bought this 20 mil lens. And I was so proud of this 20 mil lens. And it was such a funky looking thing. And I'm like, right, I'm going to get in there. And I got a flash. And I was playing around with strobes and just using it like, on one frame, so the flash went off several times, but it was the same picture. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Danny Meyer, who was the, he was probably, the, you know, New Zealand's best snowboarder. He rocked into town um, and he, he he was in this competition. So he came off this jump and just span, but he got it wrong. <laughs> he span right down and I've kept my finger on the, on because the, it's ultra wide. You can't really tell how far anybody's around. I've, and I've got the picture. I must dig it out one of these days. Oh, and yeah, you have, to, you have to share it. Yeah. Yeah, I've got this five, <laughs> five shot sequence, I think it is, of him coming at me just going. <laughs> so he, he smashed straight in my face. And um, my 20 mil lens ended up in his eye socket. And we all ended up on the floor. So I got whiplash and a big cut on my chin. And my camera gear got disintegrated. But he, he had to have a hole drilled, I think, in the back, back of his ear and have a rod put in. And they had to poke his eye socket back out again. You know, it was, it was brutal. And, and that, was, that was sort of, um, that was the start of, you know, the first sort of uh, mishap where you think, hang on, you know, this isn't quite as safe as probably, you know, we, we, uh, we thought it might be at the start, as it were. And um, yeah, so that was that was sort of uh, that was that was the start of my misadventures. And then I think a year year later we went up to Alaska to shoot the shoot the World Extremes, which we did. You know, and we spent three and a half weeks up there. And um, Be Becky Malthouse, another great you know another great 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 skier and snowboarder, she came up and to do some photos and. Um, what have you and we got a snow cat out to the books and did some hiking terrifying business and uh yeah and then so we shot for three and a half weeks and we went we, we hired a boat we went out to the portage glacier you know otters and whales and everything and then and then we dropped back down to whistler 
and met up with a couple of Kiwi guys and shot some stuff in Whistler. And then we went down to Seattle and flew home. And I gave, uh, it was in the days of film, and I gave all my film to the, to the, uh, to the lab and they were supposed to pull it a stop. Yeah, what, what, sorry, what sort of year uh, are we look, what sort of year are we looking at here in terms of this? Ninety six, this was. Ninety six. Yeah, okay, 96, cool. Yeah, so so they were supposed the lab was supposed to push it a stop. So we shot it at fifty, and uh, we shot it one hundred, even though it was fifty eight a film. So they leave it in the processing tank longer. It's called pushing a stop, but unfortunately they didn't listen properly and they pulled it a stop. So they developed it at twenty five ISO and ruined everything. So like three and a half weeks and, you know, heli time, plane time, boat time, to heli, you know, everything time, all, all gone. But I'd got a, a roll of film in my camera from the trip and the last, I'd only shot five, five frames on this roll. And uh, I, I thought, well, I won't, I won't put that film in because I've still got another 31 frames left. So I'd kept that roll of film in the camera. And that had got a, a sequence of somebody jumping off a rock in Whistler, exactly the same snowboarder, exactly the same, you know, you know, equipment, board, everything. Um, so I, I, I sued them. Wow. <laughs> and I got it. So I had this role processed somewhere else and I had it pushed to stop and it was perfect. Right. So I'd got the evidence that they ballsed it all up. I mean, okay, you could say, you know, the jump before I got the exposure room, but I didn't get the exposure room for three and a half weeks, mm. if you know what I mean. So, uh, so I, I sort of uh, took this lab to court and there was only, I think only one photographer last century ever took a lab to court and won. So, and then there was a test case. Some guy, some, some uh, scientists had been up to the Arctic and shot a roll of film and Boots had ruined it and he was suing Boots. <laughs> but he, he lost I can't remember why he lost but he lost and, and I was thinking oh gosh it's not looking very good anyway I, I won the case so but where, where would this just you know for, for us to get a bit of context here so you weren't taking these things to boots I mean this is a professional lab that kind yeah, of it's a yeah. professional lab, yeah it wasn't and, you know boots. and they they do this time and time again so they I wouldn't say they should know better but you know um what what, what sort of um I mean, how many rolls of film would you be talking here that, you, that they're developing that they, they perhaps got wrong? I don't know, 80? I can't remember. Wow. There was a lot. I mean, we didn't hang around. We didn't go mad, but we didn't hang around. There's quite a lot there. Um, so anyway, um, the saga continued where the guy I actually sued wasn't the right guy. <laughs> He'd sent his mate in um, instead of him. So I think... His name, the guy I was suing was a guy called, I think he was called Mr. Green. And he owned the, in, he owned the lab. And he sent Mr. Turner in as Mr. Green. <laughs> wow. So um, my solicitor hadn't done due diligence and had sued the wrong guy. <laughs> so they had Oh, no. <laughs> so then, so then I had to... Um, hire a private detective to find them. And then, um, yeah, but the, the only option I'd got then was to sue my solicitor <laughs> for suing the wrong person. And I thought, right, Ross, when you're in a hole, stop digging. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so I walked away from that. So that was, uh, yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, so that, and then, yeah, and then soon after that was was the Ave More debacle. Oh, yes. Um, I remember you mentioned this before. This is, this is, yeah. you know, so this is you, a, couldn't this make, is a, you couldn't make this one up. You couldn't make this one no, up. No, no, no. I mean, this was the only time I've shot skiing up in Scotland. I mean, it's amazing. I must get up there again yeah. soon. But I, uh, yeah, so we were, we were doing a photo shoot for Headworks and Voodoo Dolls. And we decided to shoot in Aviwall. They decided to shoot in Aviemore. Um, so off we went up there. And I think they were sponsoring. I mean, it's cool, actually. They were sponsoring quite a, quite a lot of British stuff and British riders. And they said, right, now let's shoot in Britain. So we went up to Aviemore. And it, it snowed um, before we got there. Um, and I, it was really weird as well. I think it was the same day um, that Alan Baxter got his bronze medal taken off him. Oh, oh wow. I, I'm pretty sure. So I arrived in Aviemore and I had been there about 10 minutes. I'd never been there before in my life. And, the, and my phone rang and it was the Sun newspaper mm-hmm. asking me to go and get shots of Alan Baxter. And I'm like, how on earth do you even know who I am? And how on earth do you know I'm in Aviemore and get stuffed, <laughs> get lost? <laughs> so the next day, it, it, the, the weather cleared and um, they'd built this massive kicker, like a 60-foot gap jump. I mean, they'd scraped most of the snow off Aviemore, I think, to make this thing. And it was, the snow cap was sort of going up and down, just finalising the, uh, the transition, you know, and what have you. And I'd put my snowboard... And, and and bagged down quite a way away, you know, and I got my light meter out and I'm taking a few meter readings. And then you sort of look down and there's a valley floor and all these crazy sort of spruce pine trees or whatever, you know, all covered in snow. And I'm going, this is going to look pretty epic. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden this double rainbow just <laughs> cranked oh, into the valley. Wow. And I'm going, right, here we go. So I'm like, oh my God, look at that. Right. So I said to the driver, I'm like, right, dude, we're done, done, cool, thanks. And I'm shouting to everyone, I'm like, get up there, let's get this shot before it disappears. So this guy just reverses out. The, the uh, cat driver. Yeah, reverses his piece bully right out, puts the rollers down on the back and then just goes off straight over my snowboard and camera bag. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of my camera gear came out the back end like black and white confetti. <laughs> and i've got it i in fact i'm going to send you the picture i've got i've still got the camera bodies and my wife keeps going throw those bloody things away i'm going no i'm going to i'm going to make art out of them <laughs> you know and and um, there was a hasselblad there's a hasselblad x-pan and two um professional film bodies canon film bodies and pretty much all my lenses the only saving grace was my my 3028 wasn't in there but everything else straight out the back Wow. So we then spent we spent the next two hours just picking up bits of camera gear off the side of the mountain and putting them into a box. And and I was in the tracks pulling my low pro camera bag out the out the tracks. Oh no. And yeah, and that was the end of shooting for that day. So I had to ring my insurance company and they couriered up replacement gear to Inverness so then we had to go up to Inverness the next day and get the gear so every day you know it's two days lost and uh and then the weather just turned and we we dug a snow hole and it was almost like a spiral staircase in this wind drift and then 
you went down it and then you just sat in this little snow hole drinking coffee. <laughs> and every now and again, you'd go back up like a lemming. <laughs> to see if the weather's okay. <laughs> and just, yeah, and just be shot blasted with hail. So, wow. so, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the camera stuff was a complete write-off. Your insurance company must love you because after, yeah, yeah. after the debacle with uh, your, uh, your film and then this. Um, so did you, did you manage to, you obviously got the new equipment, so you, you managed to salvage some of the, 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 the shoot, were you at some point? For the oh, yeah, yeah, we cracked on. I just set it all up and we, and we cracked on. Luckily, you know, not, I'd only got a few, you know, five or six rolls of film in the bag, so most of the film was saved. Um, we used to keep it in the fridge in those days, so it's probably then, you know, in the in the uh, in the fridge in the room. Wow. But uh, yeah, yeah. And then they, I think the insurance company sent a, sent an inspector down to inspect it. I just gave him the huge box. A box of okay, pieces. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's hilarious. And yeah, then and then. Yeah, sorry, go on, Phil. Well, I was going to say, so you've, you've done that, and then you've travelled, you've, so you've travelled all around as well, but uh, you were mentioning as well that uh, you had some stuff that happened in Sweden, which was also yeah. quite a, quite a, an adventure, and um, yeah, a bit of a, uh, was it a bit of a luggage bill, was it, on that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd been up there a couple of years earlier with FHM, and, and they'd got this big bum bag full of cash, I mean, full of cash, you know, tens of thousands or whatever. And they, I think they paid two and a half grand in cash, one way, excess luggage in cash. <laughs> and I'm going, holy shit, that's it. That's with SAS. Anyway, I, I had such a blast up there when I was up there. It was such an amazing place. And so for the next like three or four years, I'm going, I've got to go back up to Sweden. You know, we'd be doing photo shoots and we'd all be having dinner at night. We'd all be discussing, you know, all the stories would come out from everybody. And I'd be going, oh, you know, Sweden was amazing. I've got to get back up there. And after about four years, right, I've had enough of saying I've got to get back up there. I'm going back up there. <laughs> so I organised a shoot. I mean, this is where Pat Sharples comes into it. I organised a shoot and sort of Salomon helped out a little bit as well. They were going to take some of the pictures and then... Um, it was, it was a lot of it was for Getty as well. So it's a stock shoot. And I think probably four line, we're going to do something as well. But anyway, so I organized it all and I bought all the flights and I'd rung um, Rick's grandson a month before or three weeks before. And I said, you know, this is what we're going to do. And they went, great, great. Looking forward to seeing you up here. And uh, I said, how's the snow? And they went, oh, we've had so much snow. It's unbelievable. They said, we, you know, we'll be, we'll be open until at least mid-June. There's so much snow up here, Ross. And when I put the receiver down, the sun came out. <laughs> and for the next three weeks, they had weather like the Bahamas. But I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> so we booked it all. And, and I was with Pat Sharples and Ben Benson. And, we, and they all came up to my place and we were flying out of Birmingham and I got the taxi to the airport with them. And we got all next year's Salomon skis as well. And Pat had organised loads with Salomon. And we got to the airport and uh, we're sort of checking in and they said, oh, uh, you've got some excess luggage here. So uh, that's going to be £1,850. <laughs> and I'm just going, <laughs> I'm going, What? So I, so I had this huge sort of 
row with them. And I, in the end, I got on the phone to SAS in Sweden and just kicked off. You know, I'm like, how? So in the end, I got it down to 250 quid and they agreed to waive it on the way back, which was so, but I was still 250 quid down and, and we hadn't even left the UK. Wow. <laughs> then we went to, we went to Stockholm and we got an eight hour wait. I think it was a big or a six hour wait to go to fly to Karuna. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter what time of day it was actually, because it was just daylight all the time up there. So I think it was an eight hour wait. So anyway, we, we sort of were sifting around the airport and then we decided to go, um, I think there's a McDonald's there or somewhere and go and play cards and have a few beers. And then we, we missed our flight. <laughs> eight hours in the airport we managed to miss our flight and they'd been calling us but we were we were in this restaurant area and we weren't getting the messages and they'd thrown our luggage off the flight and everything caused chaos oh. so then i had to find everybody a hotel room for the night in stockholm then we flew up to karuna and i'm thinking well, well you know it's going to be great and it was cloudy and as we dropped down through the clouds i looked at the plane window to just green fields of misery <laughs> and <laughs> Like, what? Where's the snow? And then we, we got there and we tried our level best, you know, and it rained and rained and rained. And, you know, that daylight just, just doesn't, doesn't let up. So you have to have shutters on your windows to even try and sleep because it's just broad daylight all day, all night. And we'd go, we'd go up at midnight to try and go skiing and it's just raining, grey, miserable, rain, 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 rain. So it just wasn't working at all. And, and I just spent five and a half grand on my first ever digital camera, digital DSLR, right? But I'd also got a film camera with me because I couldn't let go of it. And, I, and I, you, you, I couldn't afford two digital bodies at the time. They were so expensive. Well, they still are. But anyway, so I got a digi body and I'd got a film body. And, and you know, in those days, the, the memory cards were one gig or two gigs so you, could only, <laughs> so you could only really get about the same on a memory card as you could on a film anyway so um after day six i mean at this point we'd all gone pretty much so crazy and you know i was paying for the whole trip so you know it's not it's not cheap up there feeding everybody and you know the bar bills i imagine yeah. oh yeah yeah so day, day, last day, last sort of last but one day, day six, we looked at the weather forecast for day seven and it was torrential rain all day. So we decided to go to the bar and drink a bottle of Jägermeister. <laughs> and I've learned over the years that if you ever want blue sky, just drink a bottle of Jägermeister because you'll be in such bad shape the next morning, the blue sky will be there and you've got to go out and deliver. <laughs> <laughs> so I woke up at six o'clock in the morning and peered out the shutters and it was cobalt blue sky. So I'm like, guys, get up. <laughs> and there's a helicopter parked right outside the hotel. So I went, I ran down to reception, booked the heli, grabbed some breakfast, got in the heli and off we flew into the mountains. And, and there's, a, there's a shot on my website, actually. And there's a, the guide, he was a really cool guy. He got a dog with him. And he'd got this beeper around its neck. So his collar had got a beeper on it. 
and off we went. But we could see these clouds sort of swirling around. Anyway, we got up to the top and it was all just white, you know, thick, heavy snow. Great, we're going to clean up. And then, of course, you've got to get the obligatory helicopter flying away from the skiers shot because everybody's crouching down. Great, shot that. And then I scampered over to the edge of the, you know, the, the cornice or whatever. And I looked at this amazing flank of, of snow just dappled in light. And I'm like, and really dark background, really great pitch on it. I'm like, right, that's it. There's my front cover shot right there. Pat, smash it. So Pat just came in and absolutely nailed it. And I just sort of, you know, took the shot. <laughs> and then, and then I, I went to look in the back of the camera and the sensor had failed. <laughs> right, so the sensor had failed the minute I got out of the helicopter. <laughs> Uh, I got five and a half grand worth of camera in my hand and I almost threw it down the mountain. <laughs> so luckily I'd got some film in my bag and my film camera. So we shot everything on film, right? And then the clouds came up, screwed us. We went down, end of trip, went home. And I think it was such a disaster that Getty picked three pictures uh, the whole that, that was it they took three pictures Sullivan didn't take any it was just awful awful um and then I'm not uh, laughing at you I'm just laughing and then about six months later I'm, I'm in the veg patch at home <laughs> digging up some spuds and Yeti rang and they said Ross we've got one we've got a client who wants to uh buy one of your pictures it's 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 quite a big budget you know, I think it was, I think, I don't know, 20 odd grand or something, 25 grand. And they said, uh, it, it, it's Kodak. And they want to buy this picture from Sweden. And I'm going, oh my God, thank God. I'm actually going to get some money back on this thing. And they said, just one thing, Ross. It, was it shot on Kodak film? Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I ran into the office and found the slides and, Ripped it out the case, and there it was, Fuji. <laughs> and I'm going, oh. I'm going, look, it's on Fuji. I said, but let's make a dupe <laughs> on Kodak, <laughs> and we'll just say it's shot on Kodak. And they go, no, we can't, we can't, we can't do that, Ross. It's, it's, it must have been shot on Kodak. And I'm like, well, it wasn't. So that was the end of it. So again, yeah, just another kick in the nuts. Six months down the line. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. that's. But as, as I say, you know, I mean, I mean, I, there's, I mean, that's what. There's a few, a few disasters there. I mean, we have had a lot of luck over the years. We have had some really great, great times. But yeah, yeah, and you, you obviously have had some great successes as well. I mean, you've obviously you've come back from a few recent trips as well with with with. Uh, you know, was it a few studio apartments or apartments you've been shooting? So they're, you know, the mishaps are, are yeah, funny. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're the funny yeah, bits, but uh, you've had some yeah, great the interior success. Stuff, well. the interior stuff's great because yeah. there's no blizzards, there's no cliffs to fall off, crevasses to fall down, no avalanches, <laughs> no helicopters. It's just plain sailing, isn't it? But yeah, um, yeah you, I mean, uh, go on. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, you, you're uh, obviously that, uh, I, I'm not too sure how many years ago that was that, that, um that happened but you know is that you know have you managed to um 
uh, uh, quell your, um, uh, uh, quell your punch uh, up for disaster. Yeah, yeah, finish. Yeah, ish, ish, ish. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had quite a good spell actually, which is not a good sign. <laughs> There's another one coming. <laughs> There's probably something just around the corner for me, but um, the 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 last one I had, the last sort of disaster I had was uh, a couple of years ago. But it wasn't involving skiing ish, but it wasn't, it was sort of snow related. Is um again, this was with Getty, I think, and we they'd asked me to go up with Formula E and oh, and okay. uh we were do we were I was supposed to be shooting a Formula E car doing donuts on an iceberg in Greenland. <laughs> right. <laughs> And um, that, there was a film going on as well. It was, it was a big, it was a big concern, right? So we went down to London to meet the head of Formula E and go to their head offices and chat through it all. And it was all bang on, right? But these Formula E cars were a bit mad, so we, they were making special boots for us all because if the Formula E car shorted down onto the berg, onto the ice floe when we were on it, it would just kill everybody unless you were wearing these special boots and um, and then they'd got this big cast of people going out there and i think they'd even hired an inuit with a rifle just in case some hungry polar bears came wandering by and th th there were so many people going on this thing that there was no hotel rooms available i mean there's no i don't think there's any hotels where we're going anyway but there was there were, you know there were no I think there were a few guest houses, but they were all fully booked. So we were all in tents, or supposed to be. So off we went, and I'm, I went down to Heathrow, and I met this crazy film crew who had just come back from shooting Mission Impossible 6 or whatever it was, you know. And they were a loose unit as well. And we, we flew up to Iceland, and we didn't get there till like midnight. We are all knackered. We went, and then they said, let's go and have some beers. So we had some beers. Didn't go to bed till 2, up at 5 all this gear and this is them absolutely pared down. I mean, there was so much gear there and I'm going, I'd hate to see you guys with full kit, you know, and they're going, this Ross, this is nothing. <laughs> anyway, we went to the domestic airport in Iceland and just loaded all of this gear onto this domestic flight to Greenland. And there was chaos at the airport and they were hating us with all this gear. And then I'm sitting in the departure lounge waiting to get on this plane to go to Greenland. And the guy, the producer, I think one of them was sitting next to me, went, look at that. And they just had a text message come in and somebody had taken a photograph and it was these really sharp Greenland peaks, bit of snow on them. And then the sea, just beautiful flat sea with ice everywhere floating in it. And then this Bell helicopter <laughs> halfway across beautiful morning light on it and dangling underneath this belly helicopter was a formula e car wow we go look at that. They, that that's like taking a couple of minutes ago and i'm going oh my god this is going to be so insane <laughs> and then five minutes before we due to get on the plane they got another text message <laughs> saying the iceberg split in half <laughs> no the ice flows split in half and and just floated off so they're trying to find another berg, get your gear off the plane. So then we had another rare from the airport and got all our gear off the plane. And then they spent the, the sort of morning, early afternoon, trying to find 
you know, a suitable ice flow for doing donuts on. And they couldn't find one. So we um, we all got sent home. And I think they left a, a skeleton crew out there and they shot something just on the glacier. But I think they were, by the time that ice was snapped in half, they're like, right, let's wow. cut our costs now before it gets out of hand. Wow. So unfortunately, it was a sort of job that I was really looking forward to doing, which I never really got around to doing. <laughs> That's incredible. I thought you, I, th- I I was totally expecting to say they put the helicopter, uh, they put the the car on on the iceberg, and the the you know, iceberg floated away, or the car went into the drink, and that was it, never to be seen again. But uh, well, funny enough, when we were in Alaska, we went we went out on this sort of crab boat out to the port the Portland Glacier, and we got there to the ice face, and there was this mad old captain on there called Captain Howard with a wooden leg. No, he, he, he didn't have a wooden leg. He did. He did. He spent there. He spent. 18 months in the Pacific during the war, not a scratch, not a scratch, went midway and everything. When he got home, he went out for a beer to celebrate surviving the war and got run over by a drink driver on the way home and oh, lost no. his leg. Yeah, anyway, we got, we got, to, we got to this uh, ice flow and he was telling us that years before they'd done a Subaru advert and they'd put a Subaru, brand new Subi, on, on, a, on an iceberg to, to film it and then they'd got the crane back on the boat and they'd just got this model in a bikini and they're just craning her over and just before she got to the berg it just went and flipped <laughs> the berg flipped and she flipped and the soupy went to the bottom of the the drink <laughs> so it does happen yeah yeah as I say just step step out the front door and it all goes on Right. Well, uh, remind me not to come skiing with you then. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Well, brilliant. you know. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Well, I tell you what. Uh, I've uh, I've so enjoyed. Uh, you know, I'm so pleased we've actually been able to get some extra time where we've been able to kind of share some of these stories because you know this is this is kind of the the fun bit which perhaps you know people don't necessarily see or hear about. But um, the brilliant stories. Love that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there are, there are plenty of there are plenty of great stories where it all went well, you know. But that, they're not so interesting, really, are they? <laughs> Everybody loves a bit of a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, please, you know, there's some of those photographs which would be awesome if you could share with us. And um, yeah, I'll dig out a few online. gems for you. Um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome because I think, you know, uh, yeah, that'd be great to see some of them. But um, cool. Well. Um, Hopefully you have yourself a fantastic afternoon and uh, yeah, yeah. you uh, stay somewhere safe uh, for your benefit and for ours. And um... oh, yeah, well, uh, I'm just going to go meet Dan Egan in Engelberg. So hopefully everything will go fine there. <laughs> Fingers I'm crossed. Sure so, cool. Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. And uh, thanks again for your time because it's, it's always a good laugh and I, I always enjoy it. Yeah, likewise, mate. All right. Nice one. Thanks for the invite. All right. Cheers. See you again. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Legends of the Brand. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Listen, drop us an email at info at legendsofthebrand.com. That's info at legendsofthebrand.com if you'd like to reach out and get in touch. And make sure to check out the show notes also at all the W's at legendsofthebrand.com. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye.